Congratulations, you cool cats and kittens. You made it to the Xville. You can relax, make everything in your bags disappear, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me, as always, is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us on that journey. Today we are not talking about the Tiger King, but instead we're going to talk about some awesome recent stories from our gameplay, a listener's story that was sent in that hits just right following our conversation last week, and then we're going to talk about the NVIDIA filter drama change. We're just going to talk about it. We think it's interesting enough to look at it from both the company side, the player side, and maybe everything in between there. So we're going to talk about the NVIDIA filter changes that are coming or have already started. But first, though, let's get our hideout keeping out of the way. So first, as always, the best way to support the show is always to share the show with a friend. And I'm going to make a specific ask related to this this week is that if you see someone struggling with the game, whether it's on Reddit or in Twitch or whatever, and someone's looking for a resource because they're new to the game and they just don't know where to go, or they're struggling with a particular aspect of the game, or, hey, I'm level seven and I just can't make money, tell them about the Xfil. You know, you don't have to go crazy detailed. You don't have to get nuts about it. But we're also putting up short segments on YouTube. So some of you have already caught on to this, but we're actually taking our episodes and we're breaking them down topically into five to 10 minute bite size topic-specific sections of the podcast. So if someone's really wondering what thermals are all about, we have a thermal video up on YouTube that's like seven minutes, and it just goes through our thoughts on it inside and out, and we're going to keep doing that. We're actually on a pace right now releasing one of these a day. We're just chopping them up so that it's easier to find topic-specific content that may help somebody get through that little chunk versus listening to a whole hour of a podcast they've never listened to before. So that's our ask. Someone struggling, share the podcast, but more specifically, send them one of those little bite-sized videos that may help them with what they're struggling with. So thank you for those of you that are already watching those videos and letting us know about them because frankly, we got some early feedback on them that people are digging them, so we're going to keep doing it. Other news on sharing the podcast, we're up to 144 comments and ratings on iTunes, so thank you so much. Thanks again to the Google and Spotify listeners. You guys are growing every single day, so welcome in. And I wanted to address something really quick, and it's related to the opener right here, so it's only fitting that we put it in, but we hear it pretty often that people want us to shorten the opener or change it, and it's not like anyone's being annoying about it, but we hear it often enough that I wanted to address why we do this. Because while I understand that we want to get straight into Tarkov content and get better at the game, that's obviously our goal. I just want to say that this stems from a compliment and the community that's already been built. When we have someone new join the community, they get surrounded. They get people offering to run raids with them. People are greeting them when they join the Discord. And overall, it's just a pleasant place to be. 
in the gaming world, which isn't always the case. I want to say that I love being in the EFT official Discord, but it's kind of a challenging place to be, and we have a little oasis here. So we want to really make sure we protect that. But while we don't explicitly outline our feelings on this, I hope you notice that we're super conscious of new people, not just to the community, but also to the game. And if this is the first thing that they hear, if this is the episode that they listen to, I want to make sure they know that we're all about. And that's why we do this on every single episode. We just want them to know that this is what we're about. This is what we do. They're welcome. And most people will pick an episode topically before they listen to a whole podcast. So we just want to make sure that if someone new finds the show today and this is the episode they listen to, we say welcome, you're welcome here, you're welcome in the community, and there are people that will help you being new at the game or to the community. And that is super important to Ronald and I as we built the Xfil community. That was from day one. We didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but it was important to us that it was built this way. So. While this one is super long, we are conscious of it. We're going to try to be concise, but we will always be welcoming and let new people know that they're welcome here. So sorry for the soapbox, but I just wanted to make sure that if anyone new is listening, they know this is what we're about and we will always do this. So yeah, that's it for me in the hideout keeping. If you're looking for me, you can find me a couple days a week streaming on Twitch. I'm also on Twitter. My handle is mtbtrigger and Ronald. Let the fine people know how you're doing this evening and where they can find you, man. Hey, what's up, everybody? Good to be back with you for another exciting episode. You can always find me, Ronald, and Discord at the top of the list in the host section with Mike. Send me a DM. That's the best way to get a hold of me. We're all on Discord, mostly all day long, whether we want to admit it or not. That's the best way to get a hold of, of me and everyone else in the community. Also, you can follow me at Ronald Gaming on the Twitter, and you can also follow the show at Xfil Podcast on the Twitter. And that would be an ask for me this week. If you could join over 100 of you now that are following the show on Twitter, then we're going to be releasing our content through there as more of an official kind of release place. Beyond that, you can always email the show at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. This is in case there's something you don't want to do on Discord or you have something more formal you'd like to do. And coming up soon, we've got new and exciting content on the website at www.xpmedianow.com. We're adding a blog section, and we kind of touched a little bit on this kind of in the community the last past week and on the, on the last week's show. But we're pretty excited about how this content is going to develop. We've got people in the community that are going to be contributing editors to this. So it's not just going to be uh, Mike and myself. We've got people with all kinds of different knowledge and interests. You're going to see articles about Tarkov, articles about other games. You're going to see articles about technology, some general interest topics, plus general industry news. Basically, if we think it's interesting, you might think it's interesting too. And we want to be able to share more information with you in a different way. So we're pretty excited to get that started. So that's pretty much it. So Mike, how was your week in Tarkov this week? Well, I spent a lot of time in Tarkov this week. So <laughs> it was really good. And a bunch of really just kind of insane stories this week, but also some cool ones. So I have not been known to go into Shoreline much and hunt for Ledexes or into labs, but I actually got my first new key card and interchange, and then I purchased the ultra medical key. So I actually found my first Ledex in raid this week, which was pretty cool. I kind of had like an ultra rat run, and then I had an ultra chad run on interchange. 
And then I had a uh, bunch of flubs on factory, which everyone knows I like to spend a lot of time there. But I found my first Ledex. And then on the next raid, I was running duos with a good friend of mine, Jeremiah, and he uh, <laughs> he got killed. And I was on the upstairs part of Interchange, right? And this was, we had our first run. We go in, find the Ledex. He finds a defibrillator. With, like we Great stuff. Great rat run. Didn't see any PMCs. And I think totally killed two scabs on the first run. So we're like, we're running this back. We got to go again. And so we start making our way upstairs. We're crossing the main hallway in the middle of the mall by the burger joint over towards the clothing store. I cross. He starts to say, I think I'm going to cross too. I'm feeling exposed here. Gets shot. Suppressed shot. He goes down. He says he's dead. So I go hide in this clothing store, and I can't remember the name of it, but if you're in Burger Joint heading towards Techlight, it's that clothing store on the right-hand side after the little seating area of the food court. So I run in there and hide, knowing that they're going to come loot him and that I kind of have an angle at him on the corner of Burger Joint. Well, I spot the guy, and he's looking for me, so they clearly knew there was two of us. And I wait, and I finally get an opportunity to take him out. I do... And then I hear another set of footsteps. And then I hear two more sets of footsteps. So at this point, it's me versus at least three more. And I've downed one of their buddies. So I sit, I wait. If you watched, I mean, it was like two or three minutes of me being in the same place in the clothing store trying to find an angle. They start getting impatient. They want to loot their buddy. They run in and I get two of them with one spray. And I was using the AS Val with SPP ammo. And I catch two of them. And then I look back to the right towards Jeremiah's body, and there's another one standing there, and I actually spray that direction, and I believe I killed this guy, and I didn't know it. So then I wait, because I'm like, man, there's always one more, and there could be a fifth PMC. Well, sure, and I actually didn't know I killed that guy at the time, so I was actually waiting for him. So I didn't know there was a fifth, I thought there was a fourth still running around, but I think I had actually killed him. But anyway... I start trying to find him, can't find him, and then there he comes. I take some shots at him. I miss. I don't kill him. He ends up backing off to the far end of the other side of the mall. I go out into the middle looking for him, can't find him. He takes some super long-range shots, so I kind of know where he's at. I went around the entire top floor, like the outer perimeter of the top floor, and I find where he's proned in a store I've never even seen before on that side of the mall, and I ended up killing him and wiped the five-man squad. So shout out to those guys. Uh, they came into chat afterwards and they were good sports about it. One of them ended up hanging out the rest of the night in the stream. And then I've seen him again in a few streams. So just kind of cool. If I just lost a 5v1, I would be pretty salty. So I think we'll forgive some of the early comments, but they ended up hanging out and were super cool. So kind of nutty stories there. And then before we hear about your week, I do have a confession to make. I was gearing up for Factory, and I had quite the roller coaster run on Factory this week, a bunch of runs, but I was going full Chad, X-Fill helmet, ear covers, face shield, completely kitted AK, raid backpack, the whole bit. I run up into the office area, and I got one tapped in the thorax by a scav, and immediately realized that I didn't equip a chest plate. So I was 99% full Chad without any armor covering my thorax or chest, and I got one-tapped by an AI scav. And then I saw on Reddit later that day 
that someone said they were scabbed in on factory and they found a full Chad loadout without a chest piece up in the office area. And I knew it was me, so I'm not getting any of that loot back. But yes, I did it. Full Chad minus a chest piece on factory. So sorry for the, (laughs) again, another soapbox, but I messed up this week. So the lesson there, boys and girls, is to make sure that all of your slots are equipped before you click the PMC button. Forever the teacher. Yes, indeed. I will never, ever forget to check my chess piece again, which is the best part of this game because you mess up and you will never forget it, especially if you do it in front of 20 people on a stream. Fantastic. <laughs> anyway, man, how was, how was your week? It's great when all of your friends can provide real-time constructive feedback. That's what we like to call it. So yeah, my week was, was also pretty good. Um, I would say the hideout leveling is almost done now. So I'm almost done talking about it. I have one more thing left, and that's get the Bitcoin Empire to level three. That's done, you know, sometime this week. I forget exactly, but that's a 70 plus hour upgrade. So that that basically started during the weekend and we record early part of the week. And so that's still going. So I'm pretty excited about that. I probably have spent, I don't know, maybe 10 million rubles, whatever it ended up being. I'm not sure. Prices are a little inflated now that we're at this point in the wipe. So it is kind of more expensive to get past this point. But at the same time, because prices are inflated, I'm back up over 25 million rubles. So I'm really not having any trouble making money. I'm not making all the Bitcoins yet. So uh, not once I got access to the, um, the booze machine, I, I keep calling it the still. I, I got my <laughs> still going. I'm making the moonshine, the scavs love, and continually do that scav case run with that moonshine. And I have ended up with some loot that I've had easily over a million rubles a couple of times in loot that's been delivered. So that's a great thing once that gets going for you. That's usually a 5x investment for a bottle of moonshine versus what you get out of that. So anyways, all that being said, the hideout is being super useful on the money generation side. But most importantly, the hideout is becoming super useful on the crafting side. And the crafting side of things, just making ammo, making just different pieces to fit into different trades or whatever with the traders to get gun parts. And so because I've got the traders now leveled almost all the way up, I'm not all the way there to level four on all of them, but I'm far enough along now where I can build guns from the traders for the most part. And that has been a total change in Tarkov for me. It's a lot cheaper. And I think that that's a, it's, it's a huge point when you get to, when you get there. Well, I guess for me too, it was the fact that I didn't have to wonder if the item was going to be available on the flea market because every now and then you'd run into some kind of attachment that wasn't available because someone bought it out and either reposted it for a crazy fee or it just was flat out sold out from people and it was only available from the trader. Yep. And I can build my favorite M1 and my favorite ASVAL completely from traders. So it's a preset, purchase, click, done. And it is... Yeah, it's like, you know, I mean, those guns are like 300,000 a piece, but it doesn't really matter. I'm making enough money to support my habit of liking nice ammo and nice guns now. So it, it's it's really going well. So I encourage everyone, if you're in that mid-20s grind, pushing the hideout, keep going because the other side is so awesome. Once you get to the point where you have good ammo, you have good guns, you know, and you start winning a lot more than you lose. I, I actually had the longest streak I've ever had of wins in, for raids, and I, I was up to nine in a row. And each one of those were, they were full-on raids. And so I've been winning a lot of customs, winning a lot of shoreline, been starting to learn woods and with a thermo. That was this week's project. And along those lines, I decided that I wanted to play with my graphic settings a little bit. 
Now, later on in the show, we're going to get into the filter discussion. And for reference, I do not use filters. So the graphic settings that I changed had nothing to do with filters. So in-game only is what you're saying. Correct. These were all in-game graphic settings. And what I was finding is that when I was looking through the thermo and I would see somebody, I was having a hard time making the long-range shot. It was like the gun was bouncing around even with the alt key down. The player was like flashing in and out. It was just, it's kind of hard to explain, but it really wasn't clear and I was missing a lot. So I went in and uh, for reference, my PC, I have an AMD Ryzen 3950X, a 16-core processor. I have a 2080 Ti hybrid video card. So I don't have a problem with resources on my PC playing Tarkov. So I had the game settings turned up pretty much all the way. It's great on a big open map, you know, whatever. A game looks gorgeous. So I thought, you know, given my PUBG experience with you, where you actually go the opposite direction, you turn the game settings all the way down. And one of the things in the Xville community that we've been talking about in general chat is kind of about FPS, frames per second, rather, in this particular context, and how people have been complaining that their frames have been kind of low or all over the place. And with my graphics settings turned all the way up, I was able to maintain like 110, 105, and it would drop to like maybe 95 if I got into something where there was a lot of things going on in the screen. And now I turn the graphics settings for the most part all the way down and I'm locked at 120 the entire time. And it makes using those long range scopes so much smoother. So all that being said, on Woods, I've been just cleaning up. I had 11 kills on Woods when I got out. And for me, that's a lot. So I got through Woods. I worked my way all the way through and got 11 kills and got out. And that was, it was awesome. And I've been just cleaning up on Woods. So a little something to think about out there if you're having trouble with long range shots of scopes, try turning your graphics settings down a little bit. The hidden command in the interface in Tarkov to check your frames is you hit the tilde key once and you type FPS space one and then enter and then hit the tilde key again. In the top right corner of the game, it'll tell you your player frames per second. And that is actually how many FPS you're actually getting in game. Once I did that and I turned the graphics settings down, I was at 120 solid all the time. And after that, I just started owning with the thermals in a way that I've never really had success before. So I was pretty excited about that. The other thing that happened this week, uh, shout out to my uh, friend Riza, who's a Sherpa in the Xfil community and just an all-around good dude. He had some folks come in and make fun of his uh, bald head that he was streaming and this is just a little bit of sign of solidarity to my brother who's uh, got a little bit of the bald going on, just like I do. You got to own that. We own our foreheads. And to you people who uh, who have hair, we don't, we don't have anything against you. But when you come against us, we're all banded together. Don't forget that. Just like us chads. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, in all seriousness, uh, shout out to Riza. He's an awesome guy. If you haven't uh, talked with him or checked out his stream, you should check it out. That's pretty much it for me this week. Sweet. So. We have a lot of feedback on the show, other than just um, people make fun of Riz's bald head and my bald head, which in the same comment was made fun of, not that I'm thinking about it, talking about it in the second segment. We have a lot of feedback on the show, and um, this week we had some interesting feedback, and people send stories in or talk about different loot, just different things they've done in game, and we had a really interesting that uh, Mike got this week, so tell us about that. A shout out to Nick K in the Discord. 
Um, and I want to say we get a lot of emails and stories sent to us. And why we picked this one to talk about this week, it, it just sort of hit at the right time. I think it's probably because we just got off of talking about healing and debuffs. And so I think it sort of fits in well with that to sort of uh, wrap that discussion maybe. And it just was kind of funny and also kind of sad at the same time. But keep those coming, man. I love hearing stories, right? And every now and then someone will say, hey, you said this on the podcast or Ronald said this or they'll give me credit for something Ronald said, which I openly accept every single time. And then, uh, <laughs> but they're just really cool to hear. It, it really does mean a lot when we hear that kind of stuff. So thank you for sending this stuff in. We love it. Uh, and maybe it's something we'll do some more of. But uh, anyway, I'm going to slightly paraphrase some of this stuff just to protect some personal detail. But basically what he wrote was this. Hey, man, huge fan of the show. My wife told me to start listening to the podcast while I'm at work instead of just listening to my same old music all day. So I searched for Tarkov one day, found you guys, and I finished all of the episodes in three days. I'm so sorry, man. We hear that all the time. <laughs> like, it's crazy, man. Like, the fact that you guys can listen to us talk for, for a couple of days straight still just floors me, man. Can you imagine that? Someone listening to you and me talk for three days. I don't know if I would listen to me, you and me talk for three days. Anyways, continue. Just I, continue. I like this guy. I like this guy. I like him already. But he said, it's a shame now because I always have to wait for a new one. And But hey, I got a quick story for you that maybe you guys could touch on in the podcast. So to keep it short, I went into labs with five of us, two of us were left, and we were some serious thick boys. This is where it got juicy. Couldn't even sprint. Had probably three to four million worth of gear on me, maybe more, but our hydration was low. So we slowly crept to the extract. We got in the elevator with one second until extract, I dropped dead. I had no idea why, and my friend told me because I was dehydrated. And I said, I shouldn't die instantly. But it was because my head was blacked out. But really, one second before the extract and I lost all of my gear because my guy was a little bit too parched and he couldn't make it for one more second. GG, right? And then it goes on a little bit further than that. I just think that everybody has experienced an awful death or 17 in this game that can probably relate to this exact scenario. But for me, I'm just sitting there like I can put myself in that scenario being so overburdened with loot that you're just trying to get to the exfil and to actually make it in and to have one second remaining and you pass out and die before the exfil goes off, knowing how much loot you have. Like, oh, it, it just like I read this and was just like. I was there in the elevator with you when you died. And it's just like, oh my gosh. So to bring it back to why I wanted to talk about it was we spent just a tremendous amount of time going over the different debuffs you can have. We talked about some differences between some of the items, why you may take a survival kit versus a CMS kit and vice versa. But this is kind of that next level, right? Because it's one thing to know that dehydration or stamina, or pain, or fractures are in the game. It's a completely different level to manage them as you go around, or what to do when it comes up and you have to do something about it. As I chatted with Nick, because I reached out to him after he sent this, the biggest and hardest part of the whole thing was when he said, and I almost guarantee you that I remember seeing a pomegranate juice 
in the bags of one of the guys that I killed. And it's the thing that I love about this game and I hate about it at the same time is that every single death, there's usually something that you can point back to and be like, man, if I just would have done that. But at the same time, now he is going to be so conscious of his hydration and his energy and he's going to be really aware of milk, pomegranate juice, doesn't matter what it is, because simply taking that and taking the extra five seconds to drink it gets him out with three to four million rubles worth of stuff. So hearing this story for the first time, like what's going through your head, man? (laughs) How does this hit you listening to this? Oh, it hits pretty hard because to be honest with you, this has happened to me. And it was, you know, for me, it was largely before I understood what the dehydration debuff was. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute, like, what's going on? I'm running out of hit points and there's nothing wrong. And all of a sudden, you know, you you die. I have not died exactly one second because of dehydration. I have died one second with you because I took too many shots at a scav and missed and we had to run towards the Xfell on woods. That was a different problem, same result. But anyways, getting back to this, the situation with the debuffs, man, is rough. And that's the thing about Tarkov, that it comes down to managing every little problem that you have and understanding what the mitigation is for it. And that's kind of one of the things I love about the game is that there are a lot of complicated little things that can go wrong. And there's always something really that can fix it. And that's one thing that I really especially appreciate about how complex this FPS game really is. I agree. And I think one of the points that resonates with me, and I have to attribute this to Jeremiah Freights. He's the one that talked to me about this. And I think I may have said this on a previous show and didn't give him credit for it, but now I'm doing it. And maybe I didn't talk about it. So anyway, you're in for a real treat here, folks. The concept of this is you may look at this and be like, how could you die from dehydration, right? But I think we've all probably had a similar scenario, whether it was dehydration, blood loss, exhaustion, the raid timer ran out, exfil camper, like we've all had those heartbreak scenarios. But the truth is, if you look at your entire hours played in Escape from Tarkov, the amount of experience that you have dealing with severe dehydration is probably measured in seconds. For the most hardcore of players, it may be measured in minutes, and it probably doesn't even get into tens of minutes. It's the same way that I look at heavy, thick, chad PvP in Factory. Ultimately, again, my total gameplay amount, if you boil down to how much time I actually spend shooting at an enemy player, it is a very minor and small percentage of the time in this game, Because we all know that you can go 50 minutes in a raid and never see another player. So I would encourage you to look at these scenarios and think through it. We've all experienced the heartbreak of a one-second death or a split-second decision. The truth is, I guarantee you that Nick could have probably shaved off a second of his route to the elevator or looted a little quicker or taken a better path. And we can always look back and say, man, I could have easily saved that time. But the truth is, it's split second and second decisions and also having experience in the area. You know, odds are he probably doesn't ever die from dehydration again, but maybe he doesn't have a lot of time spent with fractures or exhaustion. And that's how you get better at the game. So I would encourage you to look at a scenario like this and say, man, I don't have a whole lot of experience here. And it's just because I don't have a lot of gameplay experience in it, but you'll never forget once it happens. So again, 
That's a thought that I got from Jeremiah about uh, where it originally came from was actually top 10 moments in PUBG. And then he recently talked to me about it again in a 1v2 scenario. And he's like, how much time in Tarkov have you actually spent in a 1v2 PVP situation? And I'm like, I don't know, two minutes, five minutes. Like it just, it doesn't last very long. So yeah, that's a good point. You know, a lot of these things are so situational. And a lot of them get mitigated by doing other things. So, for example, dehydration, the reason why we don't experience it a lot is because if you're using Golden Stars or if you are just kind of picking up like an apple juice or whatever, a tar cola or a green tea or whatever you find and you just drink it right away because you want more bag space, which is kind of usually what I do, you just kind of naturally just end up never running into it. But that doesn't happen, right? You know, in the beginning of the game and And it can, you know, you can run into a situation too where being overweight dehydrates you faster, which means you recover slower, which means you just can't move as fast to the X-Fill. And it's kind of one thing that compounds to the next, to the next, to the next. So they're all kind of tied together, but I actually really like the systems, how they work. I know it's annoying because it gets in the way of just running around and being, you know, totally just immersed in the game. But I think it makes the gameplay, I think it makes the game mechanics force you to make better decisions. And because of that, it makes those decisions that it forces you to make more interesting. So like you say, you could shave off a couple of minutes walking to the X-Fill, right? But if you shave off an extra minute or two walking to the X-Fill or even an extra second or two, you might make a noise around a corner that gets you killed. So it's always a balance between time versus risk in Tarkov. I appreciate that dehydration is just one of many things that forces you to uh, make a decision. Do I need to go faster or take the risk or do we need to mitigate risk by causing more time? Well, and even furthermore, I agree with that point completely, so I won't reiterate it. But furthermore, as you listen to this and realize that it was a one second difference, another thing I love about this game is that there are dozens of ways that that could have been avoided, right? One is map knowledge. Two would be having an adrenaline syringe on your body. You pop that adrenaline syringe, you boost your strength and endurance, and boom, you probably make it a little bit quicker. You know, some people take water into raids. You know, maybe if you knew it was low, you ask your friend, hey, you got some milk on you, or did you happen to loot some? Like, there are so many options to mitigate this one single effect that also has peripheral effects on other systems and time and decisions. And that's what I think is so unique about this game, and I love about it, is that it's not just, oh, yeah, you just needed to drink milk. No. That's one option of dozens that could have resulted in a successful exfil. And we're all thinking about it because we're talking about it. You're listening to it. But I guarantee you that the person that sent me this email, he's probably thought about every single way he could have made it out of that raid. So again, it's frustrating in the moment, but it's actually the thing I like most about this game is that the systems are so deep that you actually have a choice in how you handle them. And that's where it just gets really fun once you start mastering systems. Yep. And there's other things too that can help just from a purely static starting perspective. And if you get into the hideout, you get your water collector to level three, your hydration rate regeneration gets completely higher. I think that if you have your nutrition unit leveled up as well, your energy and your hydration rate goes. So I think they stack on each other because I've noticed that with my hideout level to level three, I have a hundred, I think it's a hundred, a hundred energy and 110 hydration, or is it the other way around? It's flipped. Yep. Yeah. Okay. 
So I think with my hideout level to level three, I have 110 energy and 100 hydration, which makes a difference when you get into these kind of situations with a bunch of extra gear and a bunch of extra, you know, risk that you have to mitigate by taking more time to get out of a, a thick situation. And so the game, again, there's so many systems. The game builds upon itself in all these little and unique ways that allow you to get out of this this situation. But I think, you know, we're not saying this to be harsh on Nick because I, I totally understand this situation and this could literally happen to any of us because you're not necessarily watching your dehydration all the time. It is definitely an effect that you can see, but if you're focusing, like hyper-focusing on getting out of a scenario and you've got a bag full of loot, you've gone in thick, you know, you're kind of just dealing with the end of that you're not paying attention necessarily to all that stuff. So this could easily happen to me. Yeah, and the reality is that over time, as you level up your metabolism skill, which actually decreases the energy consumption and dehydration rate, this will become rarer and rarer and potentially to the point where you don't even really think about those things. And as Ronald pointed out, as you level up your hideout, you're going to get to a point where you regenerate so much energy and hydration between raids that sometimes you don't even think about this, which is also maybe what led to this problem, right? Is because sometimes it's just, oh yeah, I did a raid and you get right back in another one. It's like, oh, I didn't eat or drink. But then if you get into some PvP or you get a bunch of loot and you're trying to get out, that's not a system that's constantly on your mind. It's just sort of there. So I guess in the future, if they add things like radiation or intoxication or all those things that we mentioned last week that aren't necessarily in the game now, if there's more of those, you know, peripheral debuffs or what do you want to call them, counters that that is being measured in the game, they may take up more presence of mind. But right now, that's just kind of like, yeah, I got to deal with that sometimes, but usually in between raids. So I, again, I'm the same way. I know this has happened to me and I'm sure that I'll get in scenarios where it happens again. Think about this though, like, so the the new stuff that are unimplemented features yet, radiation and hallucination, you know, maybe in a new map, what if there's, this is Tarkov, right? So things have gone very, very bad in Tarkov. So maybe there's a nuclear power plant that's melted down, you get too close to the building and you get radiation poison that you have to mitigate. After we heard that they were going to put cultists in that were going to stab you in the dark with a poison dagger, nothing's out of bounds for this game. It is literally a horror movie that's getting more and more intense every every patch. So, And I think that there's all kinds of uh, different ways they can go with it, but the different effects that are there and the mitigation that we can use are pretty extensive. That's all I was going to say. Right. And I think that just adds to it, right? I mean, it almost makes sense that hallucination would come in if, you know, you get to a certain dehydration and energy level and then hallucinations come in, which would, again, draw your attention towards those things starting to happen. And knowing the way that Battlestate handles these things, it'll probably be done in a way where it's not like all of a sudden it's full on hallucination, but you may see like the outline of the guy over there. And that's going to be the trigger to be like, I need to drink or eat something before I have a real problem because those guys are about to become more real and I'm going to have to start shooting at them or something. I don't know. I agree, man. It could be nuts. I still, oh, the cultists are probably coming soon. Oh my gosh. That's going to be insane, man. I I love night raids right now, and I think they're going to ruin it for me for a while. Yeah, I also love night raids, and I'm not sure how that's going to go. You know, if I uh, if I get scared to the point where I can't sleep or something, that's going to be a bad deal. Yikes. <laughs> so we wanted to wrap up that conversation on debuffs, and this was a good opportunity to do it, is that 
again, this isn't just a conversation around dehydration. It's all of those different things you've got to, first of all, know what they do. And then you've got to learn how to deal with them. And then you've got to learn how to deal with them in high stress situations. And that's where the mastery comes in. Think about the ones you haven't dealt with very much and, and walk yourself through a scenario. What would happen if I was in a two fractured legs and I needed to get out and didn't have much time? What are you going to do? If your energy is low and you've got half the map to cross, where are you going to go on the map to get energy? It's all of those things. That's where the mastery aspect comes in. So start thinking through those scenarios. Yep. And we uh, want to say a special shout out to Nick. Thank you, sir, for uh, finding the show and following the show and listening to all the show. I still think it's crazy. Listen to Mike and I talk for, I don't know how many hours that is at that point. It's like maybe 15, 20 hours worth of content in three days. It's awesome. But we really appreciate it. And thanks for sending the feedback in. I'll echo that. And uh, I suppose we should hit the uh, elephant in the the Tarkov world right now, which is these... uh, NVIDIA filters, as it were. If this is the first time you're hearing about filters, anything that's sort of third party to the game. So to be clear, the reason this topic interests us is, and there's plenty of things that happen in the game that we we don't necessarily want to talk about because we'd like to talk about stuff that's interesting to us and can help people get better. So I want to start this off by saying that we're not advocating for third party programs that modify your game. In fact, we're pretty much against anything that would be considered cheating, which a lot of third party modifications are considered cheating. But what we're talking about here at a very high level, and we'll dig into it, is NVIDIA filters. And basically what this is, you can use the NVIDIA control panel. And this was actually tweeted out by Battlestate that they were going to have it turned off with the patch 12.5 release, but NVIDIA ended up doing it early. And that's why it's flared up or you're hearing people talk about filters or color correction. And so basically you could use this third-party software, not the Battlestate video settings, but the filters to adjust things like saturation, sharpness, brightness, gamma, beyond what the game allows you to do. There's a bunch of camps in this. There's people that use it for colorblind correction. There's people that use it to basically completely wash the game out so that you can see other players and scabs really easy. There's some people that use it to make the game look as pretty, quote unquote, as possible, and everything in between that. And Ultimately, there's a few aspects of this particular decision that we thought were really interesting. And for those of you that listened to the very early episodes of XP Media or went back and listened when we were talking about other games and and we kind of morphed into Tarkov, but we really like the business aspects and and the conversation about the company trying to make these changes as well. So at a high level, that's what's going on. That's why we wanted to talk about it. So again, I alluded to it, but basically... And you kind of have to read between the lines here a little bit. But what happened was on the 20th of April, Battlestate released a tweet that said, we didn't ask NVIDIA to switch off NVIDIA filters yet. It's planned with the 12.5 patch. So you got to understand, at least for me, the, the importance are on a couple things. One is the word yet. So they were planning to ask NVIDIA to turn them off. And second, they've actually leaked pictures of the advanced color settings that they will be releasing with that patch. So when I look at that, and I don't know about how you feel about this, Eric, but I look at that and say, this was planned, it was happening. You know, NVIDIA maybe trying to get ahead of the curve and not look like the bad guy when it shuts off. Maybe they wanted to do it early so that 
they could put the heat back on Battle State making the decision and not necessarily them. But it's just super interesting at a high level. So when you saw or heard all of this happening, like what was your initial take on this whole deal? I thought it was kind of interesting. To be honest with you, I don't use NVIDIA filters for anything. I really have not up until this point had a super strong opinion on this topic. I generally am annoyed by the GeForce Experience program itself. Yeah, and over the years, it's caused more problems in games than it has fixed for me personally. And, you know, maybe that's different now. And so maybe it's time to check out that as a as a setting. But in general, I just have kind of ignored it and uh, don't do anything with it. Uh, however, when I did hear about this, you know, it was interesting to reach out and get some different opinions about it because I think that from a basic level, why would I want to, you know, adjust the game beyond what the game can do? And if you're going to do that, you have to ask yourself, why am I really doing that, right? And there are some valid reasons for that. Like you say, if you have a color blindness challenge and you can use a third-party application to make the game playable for you, then I think that's cool. Then I Absolutely. Doubt that, you know, because you know, that just gets more people playing the game and everybody wants that. If you don't have a reason like that, then I think you have to ask yourself why you're really doing it. I'm not going to take the position that I think that it's necessarily good or bad, but you have to look at why. And I think that's really where if you can ask yourself, why do I have to implement a third party filter on the graphics to change the way that the game looks from the way that the developers originally intended to be played? Why am I doing that? And that's kind of where I kind of land on the initial thoughts on this. And I think that's the biggest challenge, right, is where this line is. Because when you dig into the hardest question in all of this, and I know that we're going to get asked our opinion on it, and we'll give it. But the question is, you're identifying on the personal level, like on a per-person basis, why would I do this? And then the overall question is, should it be allowed, <laughs> right? And that's the interesting territory that we're wading in. And Battlestate waded in in an interesting way, and NVIDIA is handling it in an interesting way. No one really wants to draw the hard line on this issue. And I can look back in my gaming career, having played competitive Counter-Strike and then stayed up in some other competitive FPS titles where, you know, you have to submit configs and specs on monitors and there's only certain things allowed. And all of these things go into creating the most fair PvP environment available or esports environment. And this is one of those issues. And nobody wants to be the team game company that draws the line because it's really challenging, right? And it's like, I know players out there that will do anything and everything to get an advantage. We all know there's people that cheat in video games. It's kind of the same mindset, but there's people who are unwilling to cheat, but they will go right up to that line. And there's some people that argue that the NVIDIA filters or things like taking your voice meter settings and equalizing high and low frequencies to be closer together so you can hear footsteps better would argue that those types of things by a third-party program, not the game settings, would be cheating. There's people that argue that. And there's other people that would say, well, if Battlestate doesn't specifically disallow it and they're not 
banning you for doing it, it's allowed. And those two camps go like this. I don't know if you heard that, but that was my fist smashing into each other because there's really not any space in between. And that's the biggest challenge with this. Again, we I wanted to break it down like that because you may hear about filters or NVIDIA or color correction. And if you're not keeping up on Reddit or you know, Twitch streams and all that kind of stuff. You may have no idea what people are talking about. And this is the battle, the battle between it's cheating or it's okay to do anything and everything that isn't like explicitly disallowed. So again, within all of that, I'm like, well, NVIDIA turned it off early so that they put the onus back on Battlestate. Battlestate saying that, well, we did ask them to turn it off at a future time, but they did it early. So it's like you got the two big players saying, ah, they did it. Nah, they did it, which leaves the player base to fight it out amongst themselves over something that isn't implemented in the game yet. And the funniest part about the whole thing is we could get patch 12.5 and get the ability to to correct it the exact same way that NVIDIA is doing it right now. We don't know how it's going to be. I think the reason why Battlestate wanted NVIDIA to turn it off really revolves around creating that fair PvP environment that you were talking about. It just seems to me like if you can get an advantage from a third-party application, there are a number of things that are not allowed for that to happen, right? Like we don't allow aimbots. We don't allow some kind of tracker programs. You know, that's hacking, right? Oh, a hacker killed me, whatever. But if my filters have set me up so I can see different, that's not considered that. So, or it is, depending on your opinion. And I think that these kinds of things fall into that camp. And I think that NVIDIA really made an interesting business choice by allowing their software to adjust how game publishers have published their games. And because of that, it kind of puts game publishers in a tough spot. So Battlestate really has to make a decision. Okay, people like what they can do with these graphic settings. Are we going to lose players because the game doesn't natively allow it to happen? And they might lose players because of that, or they might not, but they still have to keep that in mind as they're making graphics decisions. And on top of that, then it goes to, okay, if we as Battlestate implement this next round of filtering into the game client itself, how does that affect our content that we have planned for the game? So if we have cultists planned for the game, for example, that are in the dark that you can't see right now, but you could adjust your filtering settings so maybe that you could see something. How does that affect content in the game that was intended to be played or experienced in a certain way that can't be played or experienced in that same way now? And so this is a very complicated question. It's not just, oh, I'm cheating or I'm not cheating. It's really not that simple. It's a pretty complicated design question. And Battlestate is kind of giving their stance, right? They're turning off this third-party ability, but adding some controls, right? Some things. And I think it's probably more important long-term for the game, in my opinion, or any game, to have the publisher control these kind of things versus a third-party add-on. I personally have never been a fan of a third-party add-on affecting gameplay from a playability perspective. And I know that sounds weird, double talk, but let me kind of explain it a little bit. 
So I find that fascinating and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I find it fascinating because we both played a game that is very affected by third party add-ons that are sort of endorsed by the publisher, but often get turned down. Some of them get brought into the game, etc. Right. And it's things I'm thinking of World of Warcraft, the add-on system. And there's things like if you go PvP in World of Warcraft, you can download add-ons that will tell you the specs and the classes of the other team you're playing against which someone playing in the base version of the game, they don't get that knowledge. So this is re- that's really interesting to hear you say that because I actually feel very similarly, but this is a very interesting. So yeah, I'm hopeful that you're going to dig into that point a little bit. And that's kind of where I was going with this because what I was going to say is that I'm not a fan of that kind of add-on. When I PvP'd in WoW, I didn't use those kinds of add-ons for a long time until I became at such a disadvantage that it was necessary because the community had decided that it was almost a de facto game feature. And so kind of what I was going to go with this discussion about add-ons is I am not a fan of add-ons that affect game playability. And what I mean by that is fair PvP or PvE in the game. I am totally fine with add-ons that create databases of information about how the game is being played that you can use to make decisions to play the game, but are not real-time effects on how the game is played or what the game is designed to do while you play it. Now, I know that's kind of confusing, but basically what I'm saying is if it's an informational thing that can help you make a decision that's not necessarily in the heat of the moment of the play, I think it's okay, if that makes sense. It does, and let me see if I can further clarify, because what immediately came to mind was rating in WoW, right? Because those are add-ons that absolutely affect the gameplay because they're modifying your UI to give you information you wouldn't otherwise be able to get so quickly. The interesting part about that, though, is it's not a PvP scenario. That is you versus the game. So is that the key difference here? The key qualifier is that it's fair PvP that's in mind? Because that's kind of where I go. The way you explained it, I'm, I guess I'm just asking you that question. Is Would that be a qualifier for you that you would want to distinguish? Because in WoW, I love the raid add-ons. They make it a much more <laughs> relaxing and enjoyable experience. But they're absolutely affecting the gameplay compared to the PvP ones we just talked about. I think it's a lot easier for a game developer to design a PvE experience in any game that allows add-ons around an add-on that the community has decided is basically part of the game. And World of Warcraft and many other games have done that over the years. The game developers have just acknowledged the fact that everyone who plays is going to use this. If they were to take it away, the community would be very upset. So there's no reason to say that they're going to take it away. They're just going to design around it. But that's in a PvE scenario. And most PvP games are very conscious of keeping PvP a pretty level playing field and a pretty vanilla experience with the game client. So I would say I have no problems with PvE-based games and add-ons that affect it because I don't think that it's a big deal. It's PvE, who cares? But PvP is really about I bring my best to the table, you bring your best to the table, you're better than me, you win. It's not I bring my best to the table, you bring your best plus two or three advantages that I don't have to the table, and you win. If that's the way you like to play, I'm not going to judge you, but I'm just saying that's not the way that I like to play. 
I like to know that when I bring my best to the table, the other person that brought their best to the table, if I win in any scenario, I know that I brought what the game allows me to bring to the table and the choices of my character that I've made within the confines of the game to the table, and I won. And that's just what I enjoy as relaxation from a PvP experience. I kind of echo that, and to speak to this directly for me personally... I'm in a similar camp, and and my camp is more evolved from the fairest PvP available in FPS games, because that's what I kind of grew up in the gaming world playing, and it comes from those config files, and I never wanted to be in a scenario where I practiced the game in a way that wouldn't be okay in the competitive environment, so I just never got used to doing these kinds of things, you know, and it really boils down to, can something affect the game, and should it? Moused software now has the ability to macro things into it. Now you have monitors that have the ability to put crosshairs in the middle of the screen or their own correcting. You have graphics cards that can now fix or change. A fix is an interesting word there. I didn't mean that. <laughs> that can modify graphics for you outside of the game. So can it and should it? Those That's the hard question in all of this. So where I kind of come down on it is if the game doesn't allow you to make the correction, I don't think that you should be able to do it with third-party software. Uh, And that's just my opinion on it. Again, I know people that play with this stuff. They're not bad people. I also don't fault people for trying to find an advantage. The other thing is there's a lot of people that would see a Reddit thread or something that says, hey, if you're having problems spotting an enemy, try these settings in your NVIDIA control panel. Oh, cool. I'm going to click through that and do it. Oh, I'm spotting people better. I don't think it's a conscious decision by a lot of people to say, oh man, I'm going to go cheat. (laughs) You know, I'm going to go change all these settings. So I don't think it's as clear cut as people like to make it. But I'm in the camp of, I just don't use third-party software to modify my game. Because to Eric's point, like, if I go into factory and I stomp you out, I want to know that we were on the same playing field and that you were at your best, I was at my best, and I came out on top. And, you know, sometimes I forget a chess piece, but that's how it goes. You were better than me. You remembered your chess piece, Scav, whatever. But I just come back to, this is a challenging, challenging issue, and I really do think it's cool that Battlestate is sort of taking a stance on here and sort of letting NVIDIA take a little bit of the heat. But I do like that they're doing it because I would love it if it was just fair PvP. Like, you don't want to question if the person killing you was cheating or using some kind of advantage. And you brought up a point that is so, like, it's tearing me up inside thinking about it because you said in WoW, there was an add-on, like PvP add-ons that became so critical to being used that you basically couldn't avoid it at some point. And I think the biggest challenge with Tarkov is this game is so hard to get into. And it's so easy to wonder, where was that guy? How did he kill me? Was he speed cheating? Could he get there? Could he hit that shot? That I could see a pretty easy path of thinking that would say, man, I really need to do something to improve my ability to see them because I just can't see the enemies where they're shooting me from. So it's like, I mean, that's kind of similar here. I could see how people can get there for the future, for where I stand now. Yep. No third party stuff. I don't like it. 
I know people do it. I'm okay with it. I've dealt with it for 20 years in FPS games. But I'm excited to see what Battlestate does with this because I think they have an opportunity to really set it up and control what I think they should be controlling. And then it it just sets the landscape up if they ever do want to add in a competitive arena or esports type thing to Tarkov, which it could be. We don't know. This is sort of the, you know, foundational sort of steps they need to take. I completely agree. Now, I'd like to get into a couple of settings because we don't want to talk about this and say, okay, well, there's nothing you can do. So let's say you're using these filters and you're saying like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't know what to do with my graphics settings. Yeah. And there are a lot of different settings that can make some huge performance improvements. And like I was talking about earlier in the week, I actually played around with some of this stuff. I'd like to share a little bit about kind of what I learned. And I planned on doing this as a future show topic, so we'll just give a little bit of a preview of kind of how we can maybe adjust some of these things. For example, there's something called anastropic filtering in any video game, okay? And basically what this is, it's how sharp a texture or an object looks at a distance. And so in Tarkov, that's a really big deal, right? So I mean, if you notice like in Tarkov, some people will say, well, you got to turn off anti-aliasing and anastropic filtering, turn it all the way off as a setting because it, it kills your FPS. But that's not actually true in Tarkov. I actually saw no FPS degradation by having anastropic filtering turned on. And I noticed that everything is sharper, considerably sharper at a distance. So that's one setting I would really, really recommend that you take a look at. And the other setting is textures. And I want to talk about texture rendering for a second because texture rendering in a, from a programming perspective is a really interesting thing. And don't worry, I won't get in too far into the weeds. I know this is a gaming podcast and I'm a big nerd. But, but bear with me for a second here because I've got a really critical point on textures. A lot of people think, okay, I'm going to save on my FPS by putting my textures on low. That's like the common thing in the gaming community. But what you don't realize is what happens when you do that. You shift the burden of rendering the texture from your GPU to your CPU. And so what happens is a low texture doesn't require a lot of graphics card to render. It requires a lot of CPU to render. And so what you'll notice is that with your textures on low, your CPU utilization is going to be much higher. It's actually better to keep your textures on medium because that takes the majority of all of the vectoring and all the different rendering and it puts it on your graphics card, but it it doesn't render the textures in a way that does all the complex math of high textures. And I played around with this extensively and I'm telling you, medium is the setting. I noticed about a 15% CPU utilization jump from medium to low. And so that those are two things that you're saying, hey, I want to try this because I want to get more FPS or whatever. And just a, it's a little sneak preview into an upcoming topic that I'm working on because there are a lot of settings. There's lots of people with these issues and we want to help that out. So as we're talking about filters and NVIDIA in general, I wanted to make sure we got that information in here. And I'll kind of follow that up by saying, first of all, you exploded my brain and I want to immediately go look at all my settings. But second of all, You may not agree with us on our take on the settings and third-party stuff, and we are super open to the conversation. We didn't enter into this lightly. 
We had a light discussion ahead of time whether we should even talk about it or not, but it's super newsworthy. It's happening right now. We're never going to shy away from an important topic, but we also play the game our way. And there's a lot of people that have different ways to play. We know that they're different out there. So this isn't saying don't talk about this stuff in the Discord. We've actually had some really healthy discussions about things that were developed as third-party softwares by people in our Discord. And I think the discussions were super healthy. So we're not shying away from it. We don't want to kill the conversation. We want to open the conversation and keep it as a conversation, not turn it into a fight because we think that's important. And furthermore, while I'm thinking about it, and this is super random, but that's how my brain works, if you've died a really weird way or to a random debuff and it's one of the most memorable experiences is Tarkov, that's what I want the show response to be this week. So sorry that you're dealing with my random thoughts here at the end, but that's what I want to hear about is how did you die? What was the crazy thing? How much loot did you have? But anyway, this is all meant to start conversation and build on it. Yeah, the settings thing, that is, I'm super excited for that because I just sort of go with what I find on Google and I'm like, man, okay, this person said this works for a similar setup to mine. I set it and I go. So I, I actually look forward to that because I'll probably be taking notes as much as I'm asking you questions. So that's awesome. Yeah, I plan on putting together a guide so you won't have to take notes. I'm going to put together a guide and it'll be up in the Xfil Discord after we do the episode, of course, on how we're going to optimize our Tarkov experience. And, you know, there's one other PSA I just wanted to put out there because one thing I have been asked this week is about using a memory cleaner. And I'm an IT guy and I, I just feel like I want to give a little bit of information out to all the people who are not IT people. They're just gamers. You don't need to use a memory cleaner. A lot of these memory cleaner programs are spyware. Don't install them on your computer, especially if you have 16 gigs of RAM or more. You do not need a memory cleaner. And I would say the majority of people have at least 16 gigs of RAM or more. So please don't install them. A lot of them are spyware. Avoid them. You don't need them. Okay, enough about that. I'm going to go from being prone in the weeds to standing back up again. And uh, look at that. I see the old green box in the corner there, which means, holy moly, we've been talking for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's time to uh, time to go. Do you have any other thoughts, Trigger? Are we ready to roll? I don't, man. I think uh, what I would encourage everybody to do regarding these topics, I said I don't, and I actually do, so deal with me. <laughs> but um, I would encourage you to take a look at how you view settings, why you do it the way you do it, or don't do things the way you do it before entering in the conversation. Because again, I'm very aware of my bias, how I play the games, and my history with gaming and why I think the way I do. It's a competitive mindset. It's a config-based mindset. And I like watching competitive PvP things. I know not everybody feels that way, but that's why I feel this way. So analyze yourself before you enter in this conversation because if you go read the Reddit threads about NVIDIA filters, it will trigger you one way or the other, even if you're trying to just gather information. So I'm just warning you that people get hot over this because what's guised underneath the it shouldn't be allowed is it's cheating, right? And that's where people take it. So just be aware it should be a conversation, but analyze yourself first before entering into it. Because if you haven't thought a whole lot about it, uh, the conversations that are taking place right now are hot, they're heated, and they're all over the place. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we talk about this at the end of the day. Remember, this is a video game, and that's a pretty good way to just kind of, you know, be okay with it. But in general, you know, that's that's about it. I think we're getting close to the X-Fill. 
which means we are seconds away from disappearing. So we want to thank you guys for watching, and we want to thank you guys for listening. If you're listening to us on the audio version on Podbean, Stitcher, Google, Apple, any one of the other 50-plus podcast places which are out there, which let me tell you, if you're wondering how many places on the internet can I listen to a podcast, start a podcast, and you will find There's out. There's a lot. <laughs> We appreciate each and every one of you there. And if you're watching this show live on the YouTube page at XP Media Now, where you can see Trigger and I and all of our goofiness in person as we do the show, we ask that you leave a comment and like and subscribe to the channel. And thank you very much for doing that. That's pretty much it for this week. We hope everyone has a great week in Tarkov. We look forward to catching up with you next week. So good luck in all of your raids. And remember, scav often. See you, everybody. Thanks. Bye.